Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. We're 52 days away from the 2023 NFL Draft. This is with the first pick, the CBS Sports NFL Draft Podcast. This is somehow episode 19. I'm CBS Sports Draft Analyst Ryan Wilson, and I'm joined by our general manager, Rick Spielman. He has more than 30 years of NFL experience, including a decade as the Vikings general manager. So we're back from the NFL Combine, and we're going to recap the week that was. And if you missed it, Rick and I did four live shows from Indianapolis with a different guest each day. We had Pete Prisco, Emery Hunt, Josh Pate, and Danny Cannell join us. You can check out those shows in the podcast feed. On today's show, we'll talk winners, losers, stock up, stock down, from skill positions to the dudes responsible for shutting them down. And while a great combine doesn't guarantee a great NFL career, fans love this time of year. Hey, that's why we're talking about it. By the way, we are now live, Rick, three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern. In fact, this Wednesday, we'll be talking to our guy, Brady Quinn, who will be making his first appearance on With the First Pick. And then on Thursday, it's something that I brilliantly decided to call Mock Draft Thursday. We'll go through another Mock Draft because people seem to love that stuff. And remember, you can subscribe to the show on YouTube at NFL on CBS, and feel free to leave us a comment. And while you're at it, drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And finally, we're on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at NFL Draft CBS. Okay, let's get to it. Uh, Rick, let me ask you, we've been traveling a lot the last three weeks. Is this easy for you because you spent your whole NFL life traveling, or are you a little tired after the last little no, round? It, you know, uh, first off, I have to ask, if we have a new mock draft come out for you, or is it a mock draft Monday for you? I had one come out today. I'm going to do it on HQ later at 3 p.m. So if you're watching this live on YouTube, just click on over to CBS Sports HQ or Spotlight, too, I believe, to talk about that with Pete Prisco. But I think we're going to save that for Thursday. There's only so much yelling and screaming I can take this early in the week. So I think we're going to agree on a lot of things. Uh, but it, travel, was it too much? Just about right? No, you know, it, uh, it was very exciting uh, working with all the CBS crew. Uh, first time I got an opportunity to do a uh, a lot of traveling, just phenomenal people, the people on the back end that support everything. We just we have the easy job. We just get up there and, and talk like talking heads and give our opinions. But it was interesting for me to see all the work that goes into the back end and our producer, Debo, all the work that goes into putting this on is just incredible to watch. And I don't think people realize how much work goes into putting on these type of shows. I'll tell a quick story. You're exactly right, by the way. The people on site do a fantastic job. Um, not just our guy, Dane, but Miranda. Uh, Patrick, I remember Patrick with the long curly hair, always smiling. I, he was on the same plane with me to D.C. where I had to make a connection. I'm the talent, by the way, and I said that a lot last week, Debo. I was in the very back of the plane. My man, Patrick, who was working the, the board, was sitting in first class, so I got the wrong job. So shout out to Patrick for riding first don't class. Forget, don't forget Quinn now. Quinn, Quinn was the, uh, the whole show. Quinn. Dane, Killa, Keith, Mike, Zach, the uh, social stuff, the, everyone, Greg, took all the photos and did everything else. Yeah, it was, it was a great time to be had by all. So I'm gonna we're going to talk news quickly. I was looking at Debo Keeps the Rundown in a centralized location, and I was looking at our $1 bet tracker. So I'm going to update a few of these uh, that we forgot about and see where we stand. And I've already won one, Rick, so we'll, uh, I'm oh. going to second. All right, the first one was Xavier Hutchinson versus Michael uh, Wilson. Uh, the wide receiver out of Iowa State versus the wide receiver out of Stanford. You said Hutchinson would get drafted before Wilson. I don't know where I stand on that because they, they both didn't have great combines. So we'll we'll revisit that. I think you, oh, I don't know if you won this bet either. Cody Malk, the offensive lineman out of North Dakota State. You said he would draft before Blake Freeland on tape. I agree. Blake had a good combine. He's don't get all like tied up into these numbers, bud. Yeah, I okay. remember what you're seeing and. Freeman, I know he had a great combine and great numbers, but Cody Mock can play all five positions. So I am, I may even up that to $2 to think that Cody Mock <laughs> will go. 
He's double down, Debo. Your guy, uh, Freeland. And by the way, Cody Malk had Lugar Armstrong be expected 32 and change instead of some people thought he might be sub 32. Here's one that I won. You said Will Levis doesn't throw at the combine. I got oh, that one that right. Was. But here's one that you're going to win. I feel quite certain about this. Christian Gonzalez goes before pick 19. I think that's a layup. Oh, that's a, that's an automatic. You said Packers will take a wider center round one. How do you feel about that? Um, a little iffy. Uh, yeah. You know, knowing their history. But, uh, uh, again, uh, you have to go out on a limb a little bit. And the way some of these corners ran, I don't know how you can uh, pass up one of the corners. Uh you know, where they needed help, I thought, was maybe at that safety position. And Branch didn't work out very well. He didn't have great numbers. It's not a great safety class. Um, but it's not a great receiver class either. The only right. thing that I would say on the receiver class is uh, Smith and Jigba looked very smooth running routes. He was excellent on his short shuttles and all the quickness drills that they measure. Uh, just looking at those stats, he was more than big enough. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what his 40 time is, right. but not to get in the stock up and stock down yet. I know I'm supposed to give teasers, uh, <laughs> but Smith Jigba uh, definitely helped himself. And so I'm going to go ahead and stay with the Green Bay Packers going against their tradition, going against Brian Gutekas's, uh pick selection, and they go still receiver at 19. By the way, uh, sneak peek here. If you haven't seen my mock draft that came out today on Monday at pick 15, I mixed it up, Rick. I had them picking Zay Flowers, who also had a great week in Indianapolis. And you were talking about him weeks and months ago when we did our first mock draft. You had him going at the end of round one. I think there's a conversation to be had if he's the first or second wide receiver off the board. Jordan Addison had a good week. He didn't have a great week time-wise. He's fast on tape. But again, to your point, we can't get caught up on that. You also said Bijan goes in the first round. You said yes. I said no. I think he does. And oh, that, that's a yeah. That's another win for me. That's a win for you. Um, this was I don't. Know, I might get a buy the first week of the playoffs with all these wins. Well, you you got you got got by Pete Prisco because you said Jalen Hyde on the show last week from Indianapolis was the fastest guy at the combine. You lost that one already. Well, so. it, I, I I didn't know his hamstring was going to tighten up, so <laughs> there, there's still plenty of time to see what he does at his pro day. So that's where we are on the bets. We're up to date on the bets, and we'll, we'll make some more in the process. So you might be up a dollar fifty right now if we split the difference on a couple of those. So um, unfair that you've actually had 30 more years experience than me, but that's a conversation for a different time. Um, so listen, we talked about this last week on the set when it we talked to Michael Mayer, the tight end out of Notre Dame. We talked to Dalton Kincaid, the tight end out of Utah, and both players told us that, um, you know, you typically get weird questions in interviews, and these guys are so well-prepared now that it's probably hard to throw them off, and I'm sure you saw that as the last five years compared to the previous 25, how much more prepared these young men seem to be. But um, they were asked to sink, and that feels weird and awkward, and maybe that was the point. Is there any upside to making Michael Mayer sing? He said he sang a Miley Cyrus song or Dalton Kincaid sing. He went with Morgan Waller. Morgan Wallen, excuse me. I'm not a country music person. Is there any upside to that? I, I don't know what the purpose is. We really, especially in those formal interviews where you have, you know, X amount of time that we really try to hone in and get to the point that we wanted to make sure that we covered with the players. Uh, maybe it's a psychological thing. Uh, maybe it's something that when they come in, because they're so rehearsed, you're trying to do different things to get them off their rehearsed answers. So maybe it was something from that aspect where, okay, let's, let's see if we can get him off course here a little bit, make him do something uh, that he normally wouldn't do, and uh, maybe that'll help loosen him up going in. it. My approach has been, and you saw when a lot of the players that we interviewed on the stage, I always try to go up and talk to them before, joke around with them a little bit to loosen them up. And then when they get a chance to sit down and start the interview process, they feel more comfortable. When you get a player feeling more comfortable, in my opinion, then you get to know the player better. Yeah. And De Debo's producing like he always does. And Debo, um, I've been accused of falling in love with players when I meet them in person. Rick, he loves some players, but he will also say to them straight up, he said to Will Levis, look, I've been crushing you uh, over the course of this season, and here's why. And he says it right to their face. Like, he, he's not afraid. And I thought Will Levis took it well. 
I thought Luke Musgrave had an edge to him, and we weren't even. I, I made fun of his mustache. He, I don't think he liked that. But uh, oh, well, that started the whole interview going downhill. I mean, sure did. Who, who comments on another dude's mustache? I just, uh, <laughs> I'm more interested in a. He can he can have a mustache growing out of his nose, his mouth, from the top of his head. It doesn't matter. But I'm glad you're uh, into uh, how these players groom their mustache, and it was a little weak. His mustache. I do have. <laughs> See exactly. All right, so let's talk a little stock up and stock down uh, about the players in general. And, of course, we have to start with the quarterbacks, Rick, because that's where it always starts. If you came into this week and knew nothing about any of these quarterbacks, which one impressed you the most? I would have to say the guys that worked out, uh, I understand Anthony Richardson just blew it away from an athletic standpoint. I mean, his numbers were better than a lot of the DBs and the receivers that we'll probably talk about on stock up and stock down. And I don't know, he may have been, even though he's a quarterback, the top athlete at the, at the combine this year, the way he tested, because he opened up a lot of eyes. Uh, all of a sudden there's going to be a lot of people going back and reassessing. You have this freak athlete. Now, if you want to put him uh, in that category, um, now can we teach him to be more consistent as a quarterback? But the quarterback, I was more impressed. I loved Will Levis's. That's the first time I got to see him throw live. I thought he had a very strong arm, a very quick release. One thing I noticed when he was throwing to his left, he has a tendency to not open his hip, so it kind of blocks him getting across his body on the throw, which uh, – struggled a little bit with his accuracy going to left. That's something that can technically uh, be cleaned up. It's a lot like my golf swing uh, where it's very stiff and rigid, uh, especially when I'm trying to play a draw and put it over to the left side. So, but I think that stuff, but the guy that I was just blown away by was CJ Stroud. And uh, I know he didn't run, uh, but Boy, did he look smooth throwing the ball. His coordination and his technique with his feet and his arm, throwing to the left, flowing to the right, uh, the deep ball accuracy, the on-time throws on the throws that went outside the numbers, everything just looked crisp. And I, I can't remember a quarterback that came in and looked that comfortable on that biggest stage and just uh, threw with ease and threw with accuracy and threw with confidence. And he's just keeps continuing to trend up. We started with the, uh, you know, like I said, I mentioned, I saw some athletic skill set more in the Michigan game, even though they lost. Everybody has talked about what he did in the Georgia game and how he made plays with his feet, how he made off schedule type throws. And right now I am bumping him up and, and I'm hard to say this, but oh, no. From okay. what he's been doing, I have him and Bryce Young 1A and 1B right now. So it'll be interesting what? to see. And if Bryce Young would have went out there and threw with the rest of them, but that's what happens when guys don't get it, you know, don't take advantage of an opportunity. And we talked to Bryce Young and he says that was the whole plan. So it wasn't because he was injured and he's going to go down and throw it his pro day. And he's going to do that because he feels more comfortable throwing to the receivers that he's going to throw to. But C.J. Stroud, to me, is making a pretty strong case right now versus Bryce Young that he should be the first quarterback off the board. This feels like breaking news, by the way, Rick. I mean, this is a huge step for you. And I, I said it during the week because I had heard from teams over the course of uh, once we got into to, to all-star game mode that – there will be a conversation among teams about who their quarterback one is, and CJ Stroud would be in that conversation. And you're, you're now you have them neck and neck. And Danny Cannell said this last week on set. He said, when you meet CJ in person, you see uh, a different person because I think maybe he makes it look too easy on television. And sometimes we mistake that for a system quarterback, if you want to call it that. But he has a he has leadership qualities. I give him a lot of credit for giving you the business when you were given a hard time about his first start. Yeah, right back I, I love that. That that puts a check in my box because I like to see a, not criticizing. I know we have to be a little bit more careful, but when you do uh, kind of go and uh, hit substance instead of fluff sometimes on these interviews, I like to see if there's a little bit of bite back 
And CJ, there was no question. He didn't like that uh, I when I mentioned that his first start against. <laughs> Look at Debo. <laughs> the <laughs> the uh, Minnesota uh, Golden Gophers, uh, the first half was atrocious. And I said. You said that to his face. Yeah, I said, CJ, I mean, I said, well, geez, this is the end of the uh, quarterback run at Ohio State. And I think he told me. Uh, they give a brother a chance to warm up a little That's bit. That's what here. he said. <laughs> <laughs> and he was laughing, but he was all, you could tell he was serious. Like he, he, he wasn't going to just sit there and take it. And he wasn't being rude. He wasn't being mean or disrespectful, but he was defending himself. And I, I think he wanted to make it clear that he's a good player. He's a great player. And he thinks he's the best quarterback in this class. So let me ask you about Bryce. Um, obviously you have a relationship with him. He's a incredibly smart. We how, how was it? Did you tell everybody I had a relationship with a lot of the Alabama kids that came up? It was kind of a love fest. You love guys, but, uh, was it getting a little bit obnoxious before they, uh, we started interviewing? No, it was great. In fact, Debo, I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, the first Alabama player we talked to was linebacker Henry Toa Toa, and he may have been one of the most energetic interviews we did, he was a lot of fun to talk to. And the first words out of his mouth when we were live on air, he said, yeah, man, Rick's my dog, which <laughs> is not what you hear a lot of 22 year olds say about general managers. Uh, but they had a lot of respect for, for you down there. And you right, can I be your dog on this podcast or I'm yeah. not there yet. I got still oh, ways to go. Yeah, got a few you, more shows to get there. No, nah, you've been my dog since day one, Rick. That's how I roll. <laughs> man. Is my brother your dog now? Cause there was some controversy oh. on whether I'm your dog or my brother, Chris is your dog. It's What's a, like, a lot going on on the back end of that uh, combine. They say there's a lot of business that gets done behind the scenes. There's also a lot of business in the media gets done on who is actually Ryan's dog. Is it Chris Spielman or is it Rick Spielman? I'll tell you like you just told us. Uh, Bryce and CJ are one in one. Eh? I think Chris, Chris and Rick, they're they're battling for number one dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just an honor to be up there with you, to, you know, just to say that we're in the presence and Ryan Wilson can uh, bless us as one and one A. One A and one B. So let's talk about Bryce though, because do you care? We know five and eight is fine. He had big hands. I think he was back among the, the handful of 10 or 12 quarterbacks that were there. Hand size is not a concern. 204 was a surprise, and he chugged a bunch of water, I would guess. He didn't say that to us. Do you care that he's 204, whether he plays at 195 or any of that? No, I think the biggest thing, and maybe the reason why, is because he had – that was the biggest question on him coming in. It wasn't the talent. It wasn't the arm. wasn't the athleticism. It was how much you're going away. So you kind of take that weight at 204 with a grain of salt. But in our reports and in that draft room, we have a weight history on these guys because all of a sudden – a guy can be, you know, 180, 190, and then he shows up at the combine and he's 204. Or right. you can look at the opposite. A guy can weigh 350 and he shows up at the combine at 325, but eventually it goes back to 350 nine times out of 10. So there's an emphasis put on the weight at the combine, uh, in this case for Bryce's situation, but there is a history that we have kept or the teams have kept uh, over the last two years of their weight fluctuation. And the other thing is you want to make sure that, okay, if they're gaining weight as they go through their career, it's maybe 10, 15, 20 pound increments, which is normal human. But if a guy goes from, you know, 150 to 250, he was benching 225 one time. Now he's benching 225 50 times, uh, over-exaggerating the point, as I always do. Uh, then you have some concern on was there any enhancement during that process. All right, one last thing, and then we'll take a break before we look at the rest of these guys. We haven't talked about him. We'll talk about him Wednesday with Brady Quinn, Tanner Key, the quarterback out of Stanford. But the one thing I wanted to ask you, he's 6'5", 231, but he had the smallest hands of any quarterback there at 9 and 3 eighths inches. Is 9 and 3 eighths inches okay? Is that Yeah, plenty of Yeah, no, everybody gets – where people got concerned, and there'll be one player that I'm – uh, going to talk about on potentially stock down is as long as the quarterback's hands are over nine, okay. uh, then there's not a lot of concern with it. Okay. All right. I just want to check because that stuck out to me for someone of that size to be at the bottom of the handless, but it still meets threshold uh, for NFL teams, which is good news for Tanner. All right. Let's take a quick break. We'll come right back and we'll do stock up, stock down 
Rick's list, and then we'll get to my list for the other players in this draft. All right, March Madness. Feel it. I don't know if that's the tagline, but that's what I'm going with. All right, Rick, let's look at Suck Up. We'll start there with uh, a lot of guys had good weeks, and, and I'm sure that makes them happy and their families happy and their agents happy. Let's start with wide receiver because we just talked about the quarterbacks. Is there someone on that list that you want to highlight? Yeah, what I wanted to do is kind of not pick some of the obvious names, some of yeah. these uh, potential day three guys. And the one guy I want to point out, because me and you had talked about this player through the season, you were really a huge fan of Charlie Jones, the receiver from Purdue. I didn't think he played fast. I think he's a good slot receiver that's shifty underneath. But he ended up running a 4-4-3. He had a 36-and-a-half-inch vertical jump, a 10-4 broad which was all uh, tests that show you his explosiveness. And I know, I believe, Ryan, that you mentioned before that he had some kind of track background. I don't know if he did not. I know he uh, transferred in. Um, Two-time transfer. Went to Buffalo and then went to Iowa for some reason. Iowa didn't want to keep him. I don't know if he's oh, a they track don't throw the ball, but that's enough story. It's- right. I don't know if he has a track background. That's the tight end we'll talk about in a second for sure. But the funny thing is, I'll mention this, Rick. Uh, you gave me your scouting report that you clearly didn't believe. You've been talking to folks before the combine, uh, the senior bowl, excuse me, and you said he's going to run. He may run in the four threes, and he could go on Friday. You didn't believe that at the time. Is that right? No, I because I didn't see it on the tape. Yeah. But now uh, he justified that he can run that fast. Hopefully that'll uh, show up more. Uh, when you watch him actually play football because you got to be concerned about guys that run fast, that play slow. But there are some guys that run slow that play a lot faster. So, But I know how productive this kid was. I mean, he was their only weapon at Purdue and the favorite target of one of your other favorite guys, O'Connell. So I know you must have some ties at Purdue for some reason. Uh, but I was impressed uh, watching him run routes uh, but I was overall impressed. He was more athletic, faster at the combine than I thought I saw on tape. So kudos to Ryan Wilson for identifying a guy uh, that plays very well on tape and then goes to the combine and has a very good day from an athletic test number and a very good day uh, in the drills. But you're right, though. If you watch the tape, he does struggle to separate down the field. And I had scouts tell me that because, as you made clear, I'm a huge Charlie Jones homer. Uh, it is weird. Like I watched a lot of Purdue football. They came to Syracuse. So I watched them here live. And then I saw a couple other games just watching other players, but that he feels like a less athletic version of Alec Pierce who came out last year for Cincinnati. He also ran, he ended running, I think the four threes and Alec Pierce, it feels like he's, um, perhaps a higher end athlete. He's a little younger coming out. Well, Alex Pierce, I mean, you can't make that comparison. Well, they're both white. Like twice the size. Uh, you know, let's not go overboard here on Charlie Jones, but I mean, I gave you some kudos there, but let's not run him up to the first round and be the first receiver <laughs> off the board. He's still 170-some pounds. So You know what? I pushed it, Rick. You were – you were. I could tell, tell you are holding Just it Take together. your victory and move on in life. No. Don't sit there and gravel in it because you're going to get passed by. You're right. That, that lesson learned. All right, I'll take the the W as the kids say. Um, who's that, who else on your list you want to you want to chat up? Uh, you know, we looked at all these small. I put them in a small receiver category: the nickel receivers or the slot receivers that have returnability. Uh, so I always the, we divided the uh, the the receivers up into two categories: the big outside guys that can play. Uh, X or Z, and then you have these uh, little guys that will go in and play, uh, you know, the Z in the slot and do a lot of things. And, you know, there's the Tank Dells of the world, the Reeds of the world from Michigan State, uh, both kids from the uh, Cincinnati um, that were show- that showed up down at the the little uh, the fast guy, but he didn't run very fast. From Trey Tucker. Um, so, uh, but the two guys that really popped out in this category to me were Zay Jones. Uh, there was no question he's going to go to the top of that small receiver category. And the guy that I watched before we went to the combine that I was impressed with his tape, I think he needs to get a little stronger, especially in contested situations, but was uh, Marvin Mims uh, from Oklahoma who had a real nice combine. And I think he's going to be mentioned a lot more than maybe he was before the combine. By the way, so Marvin ran a 438. He's 5'11", 183. You can add seven, eight, nine pounds and still feel comfortable. And by the way, 
I think this is right. I'll double check, but I have his his birthday as coming up in, in a week and a half. He's just 20 years old. So that's a lot of positive. We talk about Charlie Jones. Charlie Jones is on his third team. He's a little older, not quite the athlete, even though he ran well. I think Marvin Mims, just the, if you take aside the, the physicality that he can work on, he's electric in small spaces, and, and he has a returnability that he takes to the offensive side of the football as well. Yeah, no, the, he had a great, uh, great, great combine, uh, but he also looked very smooth catching the ball, running routes. So I thought he was one of that uh, those uh, small receivers that maybe he's going to leap uh, one or two of these guys that we have been so fo- honed in and focused on as we went into the Senior Bowl. But that's what's great about this time of year uh, because you, you have them in specific areas, and I – like I said, we've talked about I've always put guys in clusters and let's see uh, where they're going to be in the draft board. And now let's see in them clusters who kind of starts uh, positioning themselves and going one above the other. And I think Mims definitely put himself in position to move up in that small receiver category for me. So Zay Flowers is actually an inch and a half or so shorter, weighs about the same, ran a 4.42, so a, a same speed. He's two years older, a year and a half older. But you had Zay in our notes, our pre, pre-podcast notes, as, as maybe a, an early day two guy where Marvin might be borderline day two, day three. Why is that if Marvin's a little taller? Uh, I just think Zay's a special player. I yeah. just He's done it on a less talented team, although Oklahoma was down this year. He was their only offensive weapon. Defensive coordinators had to say, well, let's get Zay Jones out of the game because they don't have anyone else that really is a, a, a caliber player like Zay Jones, yet he Zay still Flowers, goes Zay out Flowers, there and produces. He knows how to get open. He's extremely tough for his size. He has very good speed. Uh, he can make big plays in both passing game, and I think he's got an opportunity uh, to be a legit returner uh, once he gets up to the NFL level. Right. You love Zay Jones, but this is Zay Flowers, BC Zay Flowers. I don't, yeah. want you, I don't want you to get yelled at because you called him Jones instead of Flowers. Oh, I did. Zay Flowers. I'm sorry. You got the Zay part right. Yeah. So that's that's the important part. All right. Let's talk about tight ends because there's a guy that that actually blew you away that you didn't see coming, the athleticism that, that showed up on the field in Indianapolis. Which one? The yeah. Washington? Are we going to go the guy that I haven't done tape on, uh, Zach Kuntz from Old Dominion? So just tell me what we talked about on the phone, how he just sort of got your attention, because 6'6", 255. No, 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 no. Let me see what I had, unless this is uh, unofficial. No, this is special. This is special. Uh, I had him at 6073. Was that you correct? Dar- Darnell or uh, Zach? No, that was uh, Zach Kuntz. Oh, okay. Tell me what you have. I have something different. I'll double check my numbers. Yeah, we got to double check it, but I thought I had him at 6073, and I Ooh. may be off on that. What's 255, yep. ran a 4.55, had a 40-inch okay. vertical jump, a 10.8-inch broad jump. Kid transferred from Penn State. And what right. happens when you have a guy this size? And uh, see, there it goes. Ryan went another dollar. It. I was right, and you were wrong again. I had to double check uh, these courses. All right, go ahead. You were right. <laughs> but let me – okay. I got, I've <laughs> patted myself on the back, so Don't thank hurt you, yourself. But this is someone who I didn't look on at on tape. Usually you have your area scout, maybe one of your cross-check guys look at him. Probably didn't show up uh, on tape like uh, the numbers were going to indicate at the combine. But when I get these type of numbers as a general manager, you want to make sure then to cover this kid because he has some unique athletic traits. And at that height, and to be that type of athlete, you're going to go back and do a lot of the tape work. So you're going to go back and watch from a general manager standpoint. I would probably want to make sure I watch a game or two just to see what type of game this kid has. Uh, but you can't teach those numbers, and that's pretty unique uh, that will translate to the NFL if he's a good football player. So hopefully over these next couple of weeks before the draft, uh, I'll get an opportunity to go back and look at him uh, to get an opinion on him as a player. But uh, he is probably, and I understand what Washington did. And you watched the one hand grab in the uh, red zone, back of end zone catch that he made because he has an 11 inch hand and he's another freak athlete. 
But this is a day three guy, Coons we're talking about at uh, Old Dominion. And uh, teams are going to definitely scramble back on the tape to make sure they understand who this guy kid is as a football player. Right. He's the track guy that you're talking about. The Penn State, you mentioned he transferred to Penn State, was a 110-meter high hurdle champion in high school. So that athleticism shows up in a straight line for sure. I watched him before the combine, and I liked him early on day three. And that may change. As you know, uh, you'll go back and check him out as well. But the, the numbers and the size pop for you. The numbers, the size, and the tape also pop for Don, Darnell Washington, who we who we talked to on set. And if you haven't seen it, there's a picture of me standing next to him, and it looks exactly like you might expect it to look, which is embarrassing for me and, and great for Darnell. What do you think about him? Yeah, well, it doesn't look anything like they made you out to look on the character on the podcast. You're so they, mad about that. Put your head with hair on it on top, but <laughs> we'll continue to talk about that. But Debo will eventually get that fixed, I know. So... <laughs> But you're you know, the Darnell Washington of this podcast. I'll give you that. Yeah, no, but when uh, there, it, there is. it is, if so. you're watching on YouTube, there's me standing next to Darnell. Darnell is every bit of he didn't come in at six seven. He came in at six five, six six and change. Is that right? Do you have that in front of you? Six, six oh six five two sixty four. But he ran a four six four. Sweet mercy. Uh, he had his vertical was okay. His broad jump ten two, which is fine. But he has offensive lineman arm length at thirty four. And three eighths, but what really stuck out to me was his hand size. And an 11 inch hand is a massive hand. And then when you see that demonstrated in the drills, um, you know, and I know Pete said put 40 pounds on him and make him an offensive tackle. Well, Pete's wrong on that because this kid's too athletic, uh, large man. Um, and, you know, he had a lot of good tight ends. I mean, that tight end room at Georgia is probably more talented than a lot of tight end rooms in the NFL. But not yeah. only this kid is the best and most physical blocker coming out in this draft. Now you see you got some of these athletic traits that you weren't sure. I still think he's a little bit of a loper into and out of his routes. And even when you watched him run the 40, his strides were so long. So it doesn't look like he's running as fast or as smooth, but he covers a lot of ground. And now you see this size and you're talking to yourself, this guy has a chance to be a real special red zone threat uh, for offenses with that size and that mass and that ability to go up and catch the ball like he showed in that drill. And that was a great way uh, to end the day on Saturday uh, when he made that one hand leap in the back of the end zone, a la Justin Jefferson, OBJ-like catch. So you mentioned Pete Prisco and the the move to offensive tackle. I'm I'm with you. I don't think that that's a, a smart move. We actually asked uh, Darnell about it, and he said, you know, I've heard that before, but I like catching the football. But you mentioned the build up speed as well. Is that a concern when you're playing tight end, especially in line most of the time? Do you need to be quick off the line of scrimmage with that size and, and that arm length and that physicality? Yeah, but the thing is, if he's going to be in contested situations, because I didn't think he was exceptionally quick on tape. I thought he looked a little better watching live and in person uh, when he got into and out of his routes. But that is a massive human being in such <laughs> a large catching radius uh, that he's no matter who's covering him. Uh, that's going to be tough duty with a guy that size and that length and that catching radius. One of my winners, we'll get to him in a little bit. But uh, who do you like in the matchup of Darnell Washington versus Illinois safety Sidney Jones? Who uh, Sydney uh, Sydney Brown? Who wins that matchup? Oh my God! I mean, Sidney <laughs> Brown was even. You should have took a picture with him because he was yeah. shorter than you were. I know. No kidding. Although he did have a good week. All right, you want to move to some of the offensive linemen that you want to highlight? Some guys that stuck out to you? Yeah, you know, I, there's a lot of guys. I thought just looking through this uh, that uh, Darnell Wright, uh, the right offensive tackle from Tennessee. I've been going back and forth, and we've been talking about it. Is it uh, him or Dewan Jones from Ohio State going to be the first right tackle, per se, off the board? Because when you watched uh, Darnell Wright, he was on the left side, I believe, as a junior, moved over to the right side. And when we talked to him on the set, he just talked about he can how he continued to improve. Uh, right. from week one this year all the way to how he was playing. And he, I thought he had an excellent senior bowl. So I think he's moved ahead of Ooh. DeJuan Jones for me right now Ooh. as the number one right tackle off the board. The other guy that I think is going to shoot up the draft boards is a left tackle. 
uh, was Broderick Jones, who was taller than I thought, thicker than I thought, especially when he sat on the set with us. He ran what under five flat. I believe yep. it was uh, four nine seven. He's almost has 35 inch arms. Uh, so he was very, very impressive. I thought going through this and I'm not so sure as teams go back and reevaluate and I'm not taking anything away from Paris Johnson Jr. at Ohio State, but this kid may have more upside as a left tackle in this league, depending on what everybody does with Skaronsky from uh, Northwestern. But Broderick Jones is going to come in the conversation in a lot of these draft rooms, should he be the number one left tackle because of the upside and because of the athletic numbers that he just put up. Yes, Skaronsky ended up having the shortest arm among the offensive linemen, uh, offensive tackles, I should say, 32 and change, sub-33. I thought they were longer than – than I was fearful they might be shorter than that, so so that's good. Um, there are teams that like him at, at guard. I, they, I got text before the combine. That's, that's not going to change, but sometimes I think you overthink it. Let me ask you that because I've asked Scouts that before. How often do you guys overthink things? And I've been told all the time. In retrospect, when you guys sort of self-scout, how often do you think you overthink things during the draft process? I, I think it, you start to overthink this during this time. Yeah. I mean, it's the, that's why we do all we did all, a lot of our meetings in December, and we definitely do our draft board before we go to the combine because this can skew the uh, decision if someone goes out and blows out the combine. And you have to always remember what they do on tape and what type of football player are. Right. Now, though, you're getting you'll get the results of all the psychological testing, uh, the medical. So you're going to get all these other areas that you use to try to make the, be- the, the, the best decision. Uh, and that'll help kind of like stack one guy above the other here or there. But you always got to remember what you see is what you are in tape. And to be honest with you, when we go through this process, we beat the heck out of these kids. It's not <laughs> almost over it's like well by the time we were done our meetings i was like can anyone play we have to draft someone right and then you keep adding and layering through march and april uh you bring your coaches in on their opinions on these guys still beat them up a little bit but then it's amazing uh when it comes to draft night that you love everybody on your board and uh it becomes a ryan wilson like love fest uh, with every player because I've never heard a guy mention 230 names that are going to go in the top 50. I That's did right. learn that going through this process with you this year, and thank you for that. My new thing, Debo, is to say with the 256 pick in the first round, Ryan Wilson selects because I love all these guys. Uh, what hey, did you mean? Know, Debo, can we just, now that I'm picking a, a uh, scab a little bit, oh, uh, not only are the 250-some players in the top 50 in Ryan's opinion, but they're also fine young men. Fine young men. Yeah. Debo has a tracker. I noticed on the rundown that he keeps a a young man tracker for how many times I say it over the course of a show. So I'm going to ask you one more question and then we got to get through the defensive side. We'll do it like in four and a half minutes. so We can take a break and get to the other picks. So we'll get, we'll push it on a little bit, but let me ask you this as a follow-up to your previous point. Would things be easier if the draft were held two weeks after the Super Bowl? No, no, no. Because it's impossible to get all this information, especially the medical. And I know that's been, you know, bannered about. But then you're going back to the 1950s, in my opinion. There's just too much information available. And I always thought that the more information we can get, whether it was everything, like I said, from the testing to the medical to the GPS tracking. I mean, half of that didn't exist 10 years ago when we were doing this. But I think the more information you can gather, and I was an information overload guy, uh, <laughs> it just gives you an opportunity to hopefully make better uh, decisions. All right. You also had Brayden Daniels, the uh, guard slash center out of Utah. He played outside of Utah, but you have him going inside. Steve Avila, who yeah. we love. Out of yeah, I, I had a little bit of love fest when I watched him on tape. I like him, too. I thought he was undersized, but he was very athletic, and I loved the passion and the grit that he played with. No one's talked about him. He wasn't down at the senior bowl. He's a day three guy, uh, but I thought he tested well at the combine and those athletic numbers that he put up uh, could definitely tell you that he can move inside to center. 
he could also potentially play uh, some guard. Uh, but he ran, you know, at 33-inch arms. He ran a 4.99. He was under 300 pounds, which is a little light. But those athletic numbers translate to what you've seen on tape. And you can't teach that kid's toughness and grit that he plays with. So I think this kid's a little bit of a sleeper in this draft. Uh, we didn't even mention him as a good football player, but I would put him in that category. Uh, but he's not going to be a left tackle. Someone's going to slide him inside to be a guard or a center. I'm with you. I liked him in the fall, and I, I was hesitant to bring him up because I wasn't sure if I was seeing the same thing as everyone else, but we're on the same page. You just got to right. have conviction. Just get up You're there right. and say it. Just, you know, I know that everybody gets on you about loving 250 guys, but love them up. If you, you know, like it's funny. Guy, the, the players I don't like are typically the ones that Prisca does like, so that's where you can find our, our differences. Um, all right, so we got about 30 seconds per name. I'll let you pick the the, the guy you want to talk about in the uh, specific position group so we can get to break here because I, I got other obligations. I got to do a CBS Sports HQ. This is this is my Super Bowl this time of year, Rick. So running back, you got Bijan and you got Bijan Robinson out of Texas, of course, and Jameer Gibbs out of Alabama. Which guy you want to highlight? Yeah, both of them did phenomenal. I think they're running back one and two. I think Gibbs uh, put a stamp on it when he was close to 200 pounds. Yeah. Um, and the way he caught the ball in the workout and Robinson just proved why he's not only the best running back in this class with all the testing he did. And I commend him for going out there and doing everything because he wanted to prove a point. But he is not only the best running back in this class, he's probably a top 10 prospect yep. uh, when you just put on tape and try to uh, compare him to every other one, every other player at their position. But it'll be interesting to see how the running back, like his caliber, how far they fall in the draft, not because of the player, but because of the position. By the way, shout out to, to Rick Spielman because the typical comp for Jameer Gibbs had been Alvin Kamara or Dalvin Cook. Rick, you and Christian McCaffrey asked Jameer about it, and he said Christian McCaffrey. So you, you hit a home run on that one. That's actually yeah, everybody good. was ripping me, uh, Pete Prisco, <laughs> about the Christian McCaffrey, but. Pete's horrible. I, I can't wait to get him back on a show because he's worse than you are at comps. Yeah, he was flustered last week when we had him on. I think he had a good time, but he typically doesn't get the pushback. From yeah, and, uh, and whatever you said on Bryce Young, he is not Drew Brees. That was the worst one I've ever I heard. I changed it. Lee. Jeez, golly. Yeah, for all the things you can't remember, you simply not be able to forget that part of it. All right, let's go. Edge rushers. You want to talk Lucas Van Ness, a young man out of Iowa. There's your young man comp. Or Nolan Smith, 439 edge rusher out of Georgia. Uh, he weighed 243-ish, I think. I don't have the exact number in front of me, but he played light. 238. 238, okay. So tell me if about you would that. share the information at the combine that you got, Debo said you had a really nice spreadsheet. Oh, I did. I'm sitting here picking it up one by one. But if you, you ever had... emailed me and we can be a team and share information, <laughs> like I give, 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 but I never get, get, get back. But that's fine. But the guy I wanted to highlight was Nolan Smith because okay. of the 439. Because of the 41 and a half inch vertical jump, uh, the arm length is a little short. I know he injured his pec and didn't play, missed a lot of the uh, second half of the season. But when you see this guy move in his athletic test numbers, he's more to me than just an edge rusher. And I, I'm not so sure when you go down to these pro days, how many linebacker coaches are going to flock down there to try to work him out as a stack linebacker and see if he can play be, uh, behind the line of scrimmage. Does that still make him a first-round pick, or does that ding him in a sense? No, God, no. The guy is a good football player. I, I think that's He's, the object of the draft is to try to draft good football players. Yeah, as best you, can. You, you're asking him to move position he hasn't played. That's my point. But that's what they will do. I mean, they will go work him out, and maybe first, second down, maybe he can play some okay. Sam or Will for you. But gotcha. if they can do that, and also, when you put him from a stack position, he can create a mismatch because more than likely, if they do blitz him, but I don't think, I mean, his bread and butter is coming off the edge as, right. a, uh, as a DPR or a designated pass rusher off the edge. But if they do blitz him from a stack position, he's going to create a huge mismatch no matter what running back he goes against because more than likely, the running backs are going to have to pick up the linebackers when they blitz. 
All right, we're going to pick up the pace here. So uh, I'm just going to mention the defensive linemen you have on your list, and then we're going to talk corner so we can get to this break here. You mentioned Tommy, excuse me, Tommy Adabare out of Northwestern. We talked about him last week. He had a great week. Zach Pickens, we've been talking about sort of hearing his name under the radar. We talked to several offensive linemen that said Zach gave them the most trouble at the Senior Bowl in those one-on-one drills and even in team drills. But let's get to cornerback. Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon, great job. Darius Rush, one of our new favorite players since January out of South Carolina, also had a great uh, great week as well. You want to highlight one of those guys? Yeah, I think Gonzalez is going to be pushing to be the number one corner off the board. Yep. After uh, his tape that you watch, and I think it's going to come down between him and Joey Porter Jr. Uh, I thought he had a better workout than Joey Porter Jr. did. Joey Porter Jr. was not a slouch. Uh, but Witherspoon, your guy from Illinois, uh, for some reason could not work out. So I'm hammy. going to drop him unless there was an injury related. He had and a I'm hammy. Move Gonzalez up to I think the top corner in this draft. I think um, I think Devon, Devin Witherspoon had a hammy. I think that was the talking point. I don't I didn't get it checked okay. out medically, so I don't know how much of that you want to believe. But he didn't run, and we'll see. We'll see what that means. I mean. I'll ask you this quickly. I know we got to get going here, but I do legit. So Kirby Wilson, uh, Kirby Joseph last year, the safety out of Illinois, played with Devin Witherspoon at Illinois last year. He didn't run to the combine because of an injury, didn't run in his pro day because of an injury, had a great season. He looked fast enough on tape. He looked like a 4-5 guy, 4-5-5, and maybe he run ran, didn't run for another reason. At the end of the day, you have to grade the tape, right? Yeah, that's what you're. That's how you're grading this these guys. But Right. I, and I love getting the athletic numbers, although that doesn't mean they're going to be a pro bowler or a, a guy that you cut on your roster based off the numbers. You got to remember that they are, and it always comes down to what you see on take. But I do like guys that get <laughs> an opportunity to compete. There and it we is. throw the ball out in the yard. Let's see who's going to go out there and play. There it is. All right, Jartavius Martin goes by Quan. Quan Martin, the safety out of Illinois, plays a lot in the slot. He had a good week as well, had a, has a lot of good tape, and that was another guy you were high on. Yeah, and slot, but that's such a weak safety class, in my opinion, and Branch did not work out you know, like a workout warrior, although he's a good football player. I think because of the lack of safeties in this position, and we did it with uh, Bynum from Cal a couple years ago. We ended up yeah. drafting him in the fourth round. He was a corner that we moved to free safety. Uh, but I think this kid is going to get pushed up the board a little bit because of his athletic numbers. I mean, he had a 44-inch vertical jump, 11-1 broad jump, and he'll come up and hit you. But his position flexibility on the back end, but someone's going to take him, and because of the weakness at the position, make him a free safety, and let's just go. Yeah, you said day two, and I think that's exactly right. I love it. All right, it's funny. As much uh... – as hard a time as you give me, we agreed on a lot of things. So that that's a uh, good. Point. I respect everything you do. You work extremely. Wait, let me get my cue card. Yeah, get it out. You work extremely hard, and I have the utmost respect for Ryan Wilson. There. <laughs> Most respect for insert name. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll look at some stock downs from old good old Rick Spielman. All right, we're back, Rick. We got about nine minutes. Let's see if we can get through these things. Stock down, and I'll add in some of the guys I have, too, because uh, some of them are similar or some of them are similar type players. We'll talk about Max Duggan. Strong season after he got a chance to play. Senior Bowl didn't go too great. Uh, he ran well in general in Indianapolis, but I don't think you have him in the, the stock-up category. No, I mean, I'm recognizing his athleticism. He ran four five two, but, man, I cringed when I watched his throwing motion at the combine, mm. and... Uh, I still believe that he can grit his way to victories, but he is not an accurate thrower. I thought the ball was all over the yard on uh, some of the throws that I uh, that I was able to to watch. And now let me let me interrupt you. Sorry to interrupt you, but you you made this clear because Danny Cannell asked you about this last week while we were together. You don't care so much about accuracy at the combine. You said about quarterbacks. Why does this concern you? Because there was ten feet above a guy's head. That's a okay. little bit. Okay. It's not like, okay, with the timing, you can tell if the timing's off or if it's a just a bit outside right. my referral to Major League and the wild thing. And I think he fits that court category perfectly. Okay. No, I just wanted to get that clarification because that's a good point that, that people wouldn't necessarily understand. Let's go to wide receiver. I mentioned this at the top in terms of one of our bets. Both our guys didn't have great 
combines in terms of athletic numbers. Xavier Hutchinson at Iowa State and my guy Michael Wilson, Michael Wilson out of Stanford. They're in the same cluster, I would imagine. Yep. What what gave you pause about Xavier Hutchinson? Yeah, just the, you know, the speed was in the four fives. He wasn't very explosive in the jumps. Um, you know, that was a lot of question. Uh, you know, he caught the ball well enough for me at the combine, although, you know, he had some drops on tape, which we have mentioned earlier in our just good football player uh segment. Uh so I was a little disappointed because I didn't think he really jumped out down at the senior bowl either. He's just kind of been blending in. And then this time of year, we talk about guys spiraling, spiraling up or down. And I think he's been kind of here to almost this way instead of going up this way. But the guy I was most disappointed in uh, was Kayshawn Boutte mm-hmm. from LSU. I mean, you know, everybody talked about this guy being a potential first round pick going into this season inconsistent, lacked effort in my opinion, too many drops, didn't play hard. So he had to do something to put himself on the map. Uh, You remember we talked about he was going to go back to school, then he decided to come out uh, and uh, just poor. He had a 29-inch vertical jump. He, uh, 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 you know, ran 4-5, I believe. Broad jump was not explosive. It was just very, very average workout for a guy that people were talking about as a the next great receiver to come out of LSU two years ago. And this guy has just really been plummeting uh, ever since last year and through this process. All right, let's talk about the tight end class because Michael Mayer ran a 4-7. He was lighter than I thought. I think he came in at 249. I thought he was probably 255, maybe even a little bigger. 6'4 and a half. 31 and, and 5 eighths inch arms. I don't know if that's okay for a tight end. Are you okay with that? Yeah. No, I yeah, and let's let's put this in the context. This guy is probably the most talented overall tight end in this draft. I agree. But Okay, he doesn't blow away, and we knew that when we talked about him. He can block well enough. Um, he, he's extremely talented in contested situation, catches everything. He's just not a freak athlete for the position. When we talked about Washington, that is a freak athlete. Uh, this guy's going to be a solid starter in the league. Uh, he's going to make a lot of plays. He's not going to stretch the field. Uh, it'll be a good uh, short to intermediate. He was just adequate on his test numbers, but this is a guy that's a better football player than an ath- an, uh, an athlete. But I know how some teams think, and when you're trying to stack these tight ends, now Kincaid didn't do anything. Uh, the guy that you ra- made really mad, Musgrave, may not ever <laughs> show up to a pro day again uh, because you just ruined uh, his confidence level and his self-esteem and I was kind of shocked that that came out of you, but to be honest with you, <laughs> I crossed the line. <laughs> but some teams are going to go like, I got this guy, 6'6, 260, that ran 4'6. I understand he's not as good of a football player as Mayer is from Notre Dame. And, uh, but because of the athletic test numbers, some teams will say, well, he has such a higher ceiling and more upside than maybe or mayor. Cause I think mayor is a really good football player, but I also think what you see is what you're going to get. I don't know how much better he will get than what you watched on college tape. Not and a lot of people numbers pedestrian that usually told me that, you know, he's going to be what you see. All right. I'm going to ask you a, a follow-up and not a lot of people know this, but you're a huge lacrosse guy. You have uh, at least one of your sons was a top flight lacrosse oh, player. Yeah. Both sons. And one is a lacrosse coach right now in college, yeah. correct? And high school, he's a, a head high school lacrosse coach. Yeah, so you have some, you understand that world. And I mentioned that because Musgrave told us he played football. He was, a, I think, a downhill, some like ski racer guy. Like he was yeah. an ath- athlete there, and he also played lacrosse. So knowing that, those back the, that background and the athleticism required to play lacrosse in particular, would you take Musgrave over Mayer, knowing what you saw with the numbers that Mayer tested at? I don't know because I don't know how good Musgrave is as a blocker. I know, Mayor, you're getting a com- me the most complete tight end okay. out of this, this draft class. I think Musgrave's going to be definitely 
in uh, first round conversations because he tested out well enough, caught the mm -hmm. ball well enough. Uh, didn't like that. I didn't like his senior bowl. And when I called him rusty after you made a man of his mustache, I piled on a little bit, which yeah. I probably shouldn't have done. <laughs> if you're watching on YouTube, you can sort of see the, the pencil thin mustache there. Yeah. And I'll, just so I can explain quickly, like I was offset talking to someone, I got dragged on set. So I was a little discombobulated. I said senior bowl instead of combine. And um, I think you corrected me as, as you have been known to do. And I said, sorry, Luke, I was distracted by your mustache. That's why I forgot where we were. And then he basically gave me that look that you're watching there on the screen where he was at the podium. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised you're still on the podcast. I thought you and him maybe have a little meeting uh, later in the evening. On uh, <laughs> that would be a but, short meeting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's let's get through some of these other names here before I have to bounce. Once you give me an edge rusher that that uh, you were a little, you wish I'd done a little more at the combine. Uh, you know, I I talked to Icom. Um, uh, because Central Michigan, I really thought I liked him on tape with the energy and effort, but he really didn't blow me away. He didn't blow me away at the Senior Bowl, so he's kind of leveled off for me. But the guy I was most disappointed in, although you see flashes when you watch his tape, was Mike Morris from Michigan. Because he looks apart when he gets off the bus, right? I was a 6'5", 275, you know. Now, they had an official time of 495, but I was sitting with some people that – We'll use the time of 504. One time was even a 511, which is atrocious it. for an edge rusher. Right. 28 inch vertical jump, which is, you know, not very explosive, 9 2 broad, a little bit of an underachiever on tape. But I thought he, out of any of these edge rushers, uh, hurt himself the most. Yeah. And I'd heard from teams that they, they wanted him to play a little harder as well during the fall. So that was a concern. And finally, let's mention Clark Phillips, the third, the cornerback out of Utah undersized, but he is a, he plays with, with a, with a chip on his shoulder. Unfortunately, uh, five, nine, one eighty four, four five one, and 29 and one eighth inch arms. All those things add up to what for you? Uh, nickel only. So, uh, I know but then I looked at his shuttle time just because that's you have to be so quick twitched. And yep. it was a 4-3-2 on a short shuttle, which is very pedestrian-like. Um, you expect a smaller guy to, to really explode, especially if they're not going to be fast. But he was not fast or as quick twitched in these drills. Now, you see the explosiveness to me on tape, the quickness part of it. Uh, and he is a really good football player. But I think he may be pigeonholed now as a Nick only instead of, you know, there was some talk about him being in the mix at some with some of these top corners. Uh, but I think he's going to get pigeonholed a little bit now into a uh, nickel corner only. Does he stay in day two or is this a problem? Mm, very right. interesting. It'll be borderline. <laughs> because I just think there's, okay, when you went into this process before the senior bowl at the end of the season, it's Phillips and, all of a sudden, you have Rush, who we talked about from South Carolina. Now, he Rush at South Carolina goes down and looks. The one of the questions I had with the stiffness and was his ability to mirror receivers. Well, he put that myth to rest down there at the uh, Senior Bowl because he was yep. he was running the route before the receiver run the route every time. He blows away the combine. So I'm asking you this: When you take a Rush over a Phillips, even though you may have him rated differently when you saw it in the fall 100 6-2 we saw what he could do in one-on-one -on -one drills which i know you don't like me to say it which favors the wide receiver and no it doesn't <laughs> then the field's wide ass open you could do whatever you whatever you want to do but um i i think that's right and i i sound like you now I, i'm leaning towards the measurements and what we saw you see it on tape with darius not to the extent that you saw with clark but the issue is the size, you can't fix that. over. He's done growing, I would imagine, and, and that's a concern when you're talking about taking a guy 50th or talking about taking a guy 100th. So that's what we have to sort out. But we'll have to do it later, Rick, because i got to bounce and, and do something for something else for the company. So that's it. for That's a wrap for uh, the first of our three-a-week podcasts post-combine. We'll be doing this right up to the draft. On Wednesday, Rick will be back. We'll be joined by Brady Quinn. So that'll be fun. Uh, and we'll be talking more about these prospects as we go through this thing. There'll be pro days coming up, so that'll be something else to look forward to. Rick, as always, good talking to you, and we'll uh, we'll talk in 48 hours.
Yeah, I can't wait because we're going to be interested to get Brady Quinn on here and, and let him add a little spice to your uh, the, our podcast. Can I say our podcast? Yeah. That, we're, hey, you're my dog. It, okay. I'm uh, 1B apparently compared uh, to my brother. <laughs> All right. We'll talk soon. Thank you, Rick. Thanks for watching. We'll see you on the old flip-flop, as they say.